market. The S&P, the ISX stops. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that thinks bonds are a financial instrument and not a pair of undies. I'm Andrew Page, and with me is Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, fools. It's been a big week for the movers and shakers, so let's dive straight into it. We're going to put our finger on the pulse of the Aussie economy. Have a little bit of a look into our crystal ball, have a look at some job numbers and where interest rates might be headed. We also check in on the pizza wars. Can the latest move from Pizza Hut stop the relentless march of Domino's? We also try to make sense of Warren Buffett's move into airlines, something he'd long said he was a, a very bad idea. So we're going to try and unwrap that riddle. And finally, we open the foolish mailbag and answer a listener's question on bonds and derivatives. But first, Scott, state of the economy, the state of play, hit me. Well, a bit of good and a bit of bad, Andrew. Well, it depends actually who you are and what you want. So the good news was there were 41,000 new full-time jobs added to the economy in October. Hooray. Undoubtedly good news. Another in the long line of effectively economic improvements. The jobs numbers have been something of a highlight when... Growth hasn't been great. It's been okay. Wage rises certainly haven't come through. Mm -hmm. But the number of jobs being added to the economy is an absolute undisputed positive. 41,000. And the unemployment rate stayed steady at 5.6%. Again, a very, very low number. Could it be lower? Of course it could. It's been a whole lot higher in the past. So overall, a really good set of numbers on the jobs front. Okay. Got to be happy with that. Indeed. So meanwhile out there, what we've really seen in the wake of the US election here is that the market seems to have changed its mind on where interest <laughs> many, rates Many, many times the market has changed its mind the last two As weeks. is its want. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, fairly significantly too. Mm. So, you know, it's all, it's all coming from uh, the, the Trump win, of course. He's talking about tax cuts. He's talking about big infrastructure spending. So that's, that's then led on to this expectation that rates in the US will rise. And, and it's also trickled over here as well. So I guess the first, and you know, a lot of listeners out there will have home loans. And, yes. you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, spook everyone by saying interest rates are heading up. But that's what the <laughs> but, markets are saying. But, exactly. What do we make of this? All right. Let's try and pick it apart without going too much into the weeds. And if I do, Andrew, throw something at me and I'll stop. All right. Basically, what's happened is the Donald Trump presidency was originally this horrible thing to fear, as we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Then it was the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And that kind of broad theme has continued on. The original thought was the US Federal Reserve, our version of the RBA, would probably sit on its hands in the face of a Trump presidency because it was such an unknown quantity. Yep. Very quickly, though, because the markets have taken to it, frankly, pretty well, mm. because there's so a far. sense that mm. maybe Trump might actually be good for the economy in the medium, short and medium term, there's so much stimulus, as you've already mentioned, possibly going to the US economy the U.S. Fed kind of has cover now to increase rates. Mm-hmm. Now, remembering U.S. rates are at a quarter of a percent. Yeah. These are super, super low rates. Yeah. The reality is neutral in the U.S., neutral here is about 3.5%, generally speaking. Yep. Neutral in the U.S. has been 2 or 2.5%. Mm-hmm. We are miles below that number right now. So Janet Yellen, the Fed chair, our version of the RBA governor, she's pretty much got a, got a mandate to get rates back to a more neutral setting when the economy can bear it. The Donald Trump presidency pretty much in most people's minds right now is that Look, this is going to be very, very stimulatory for the economy if he carries on with most of what he's planning. Much more stimulatory in the short to medium term than a Clinton presidency would have been. Mm. So the US Fed's looking at that and going, which is if there's going to be this much money piled into the economy, we'd better start moving rates sooner rather than later. Or at least that's what the market is guessing. No one knows, of course. We won't know until the Fed meets in December. But right now, that's the assumption. Mm. Now, that means US rates are going to go up. That puts the economy in a better position. And frankly, it also gives the RBA cover, if that happens, to also increase rates. 
So well, you think about that's, the difference. That's the trouble that I, I have trouble drawing a line between those two. Sure. I mean, you know, it, it is an interconnected world. Yep. They're a big trading partner of ours, you know, but but they're there and we're here. Yes. How, how does how does that those factors that you talked about impact us here in Australia. The little Aussie battler, Andrew. The Australian dollar. The Aussie dollar. The Aussie dollar. So what happens basically, the dollar is set based on a whole lot of different factors. No one ever really knows. There's no there's no official formula, but a combination of difference in interest rates, difference in economic growth are the two primary mm-hmm. changes. Mm-hmm. Now, our economic growth is pretty good. US is also pretty good. Over time, though, our dollar is sitting about 75 US cents at the time of taping, a little bit lower, I think, overnight. Basically, the lower that dollar goes, the better our industry is is set to compete on the international stage okay. versus the rest of the world. Now, yeah. if the RB puts rates up, that makes our dollar more attractive because mm-hmm. other people from overseas want to invest in Australian stocks, bonds, shares, term deposits, everything else, because mm-hmm. they're going to get a higher return. Mm-hmm. So they buy more Australian dollars and the Aussie dollar goes up. Glenn Stevens hasn't wanted that. The new RBA governor, Philip Lowe, doesn't want that. So that's part of the reason they've had to keep rates low. Once the US goes up and if the Australian growth numbers are good, the RBA basically has covered also increase without causing an unnecessary impact on the dollar. That's all very economic finance speak for basically it's a, it's a race. It's, it, and you want to position yourself to win that race. In the RBA's case, lower is better when it comes to interest rates. But if it's too low for too long, they're going to create bubbles in the Australian economy. And I guess you so don't they, have any power to drive for when you, you perhaps really need it. Exactly. So they want to keep rates as high. Well, they want to keep rates as neutral as they can as well. Rates are yeah. designed, they drop them to stimulate the economy. They increase them to pull the economy back. But only from that neutral rate. Now, neutral, I said before, three and a half, four percent is going to be lower in future for a whole lot of reasons we won't bother going into right now, but we can at a different stage. But over time, the financial markets all of a sudden, for the first time in many, many years, I, I want to say five or six years, it mm. may not have been quite that long, but mm. probably is, are now pricing in the next move in Australian rates being up. Mm. Previously, it had been down. Now, there's the average expectation is that rates are going to rise. Not necessarily straight away, not necessarily even this year, but probably sometime next year, the betting of the financial markets, and they've been wrong before, is that rates will go up rather than down. That means that that means effectively we're at the bottom of the rate cycle. And if you're taking on a mortgage, if you're borrowing money, if you've got a credit card or anything else, expect that your costs of borrowing, your interest rate you're paying, will be higher 12 months from now than it is today. Mm. And frankly, that was always a good assumption before this anyway, right? Yeah. If you were taking out a 30-year mortgage, yeah, chances are interest rates are probably going <laughs> to go up at some point over that period. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a tightening bias to use the lingo. Oh, yeah, if you have to. Do you like that? No. Okay, let's move on. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Pizza Wars. Hey, there we go. Are you a Domino's or a... Sublime to the ridiculous, the ridiculous to the sublime. <laughs> Are you a, a, pizza, a, a Pizza Hut man or a Domino's man? Yeah, I was always a Pizza Hut man, but I've been swayed to the box with the dots, and I'm, I'm definitely a Domino's fan these days. Man, hasn't that landscape changed? I remember as a kid, you'd go along to Pizza Hut, you'd have the, you know, the, the bar, oh, the dessert the bar. The salad bar and the, the sal- dessert bar. You know, it was just awesome. It was so <laughs> exciting when mum and dad said they were taking you to Pizza Hut. Absolutely. And it's just, it's that the landscape has changed so dramatically since then. For starters, you don't really go and eat at a Pizza Hut anymore. No. In fact, it's it's much harder to find a Pizza Hut these days. <laughs> um, but let's let's go back to the and beginning. And we've tried. You know, so, so Pizza Hut has really been on the wane. It's really, really been struggling. Yep. And there's a third player out there as well called Eagle Boys. And they've been doing it even tougher. They own less than 10% of the $3.7 billion pizza market. That's a B. That's... Hell of a lot That's of a lot of pizzas, you know, stuffed crust pizzas, and uh, so so in their effort to sort of you know um, fight back, 
Pizza Hut has has acquired Eagle Boys. Mm. So Pizza Hut's got about 270 stores. They're going to take 114-odd Eagle Boys. They're going to merge together, and they're going to take on Domino's. Now, Domino's sits at the top of the pile. They own half of the market, 600-odd stores. Is it going to be enough to reverse their fortunes? No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Domino's is the unstoppable force, quite frankly. Right. But, you know, you're right. So much has changed in the 80 or 90 years since we were kids, Andrew. Um <laughs> The, the, the reality is that you know the, the, the market has changed dramatically, mm. and Domino's has taken an, a lead and has spent most of the last decade expanding, extending that lead really, really dramatically now. Massively. Once mm. upon a time, it, you know, remember the, uh, for those Sydney listeners, the old four eight one double one double one. Do you yes. remember those? Yeah, yeah. So you know, there, I can I still hear that in my head. Wasn't it? Exactly. Like, yeah. I, I won't do it. I'll save our listeners the the, 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 the torture, <laughs> the oral torture. Um, reality is that yeah, that was massive. It was huge. It was going going nuts. It was yeah. all that Pizza Hut and Domino's yeah. was a little one off to the side. The pizzas weren't great. Right. No. All of a sudden, on, along comes Don May, the CEO of Domino's, and has yeah. done a spectacular job. They've improved the pizzas. They've lowered the cost just time after time after time after time. Yeah. Fantastic marketing, social media marketing. Yeah. They've really revolutionized the entire Better industry. Better systems, you know? logistics, all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, and look, I say revolutionized. It's one of those throwaway lines. But, you know, we did the numbers before the show. Domino's share price has gone up by 40% per year on average over the last 10 years. That's the best part of a 30x turnaround. That's a $10,000 turning into $300,000 over a decade, which is a spectacular result yeah, and just underpins how well Domino's have done this thing. Right. The challenge now is that, you know, food, the food business, you don't think of food business as a, as a scale business, as, as a business that necessarily benefits from scale, right? A pizza is a pizza. It's got some flour, some water. You figure that the cost should be roughly the same. The differences, though, in market share are so dramatic right now. Mm. The trajectories of growth are so dramatic. Domino's is benefiting from much, much, much better economies of scale. They've got lower prices, lower costs per unit made, per pizza made, effectively. Well, you've got, you've got, you can, you can, to use the lingo, you can fractionalize your costs over a much fractionalize larger Fractionalize your cost. Do you like that? write that one down. Well, you know, you've got a marketing, everyone's got a marketing spend. Pizza Hut's advertising, right. Domino's advertising. But when Domino's advertise, it's doing so on behalf of 600 stores as opposed to the much smaller count that Pizza Hut Correct. Has. So you buy same one 30-second ad on Channel 9 and it's going to cost you the same amount with your Pizza Hut or Domino's. Yep. But Domino's are going to generate a whole lot more revenue and profit from that 30-second ad, which means they can afford to spend more. They can afford to do more of them than Pizza Hut. And can. that theme plays out over a whole bunch of costs, whether it be corporate head office costs, Cost, whether it being your purchasing power, you, you can buy dough at a much better bargain when you're buying much more of it. And they, Andrew, they, I've got I've got one word for you. What's that? Drones. Drones. Domino's uh, tell me about, tell Domino's me about the in Domino's New Zealand drones. have successfully done the first pizza delivery using a drone. That's so about cool. all we need to know, I think. If you think about the pizza, who's going to win the pizza wars? The company with the drone. It's an absolute slam dunk. Well, don't they have a, or a robot uh, pizza delivery in the Gold Coast as well? Oh, probably. They've got electric bikes. This is just, yeah. you know, look, a drone, drone's not a big deal. They're nice for headlines, right? But this is, you know, it's 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 a sideline, let's be honest. But it's it's all about what Domino's are doing differently, better, changing healthier menus, chef's best pizzas, social media marketing campaigns, electric bikes, mm. you know, just the, app, delivery, the, right? the app interface and the, the you know, exactly. the, the, that, that client user experience is just incredible. You can actually pay now three bucks an order yeah. to, for guaranteed delivery within 20 minutes using awesome. the app, which is pretty cool. Awesome. Awesome. Right. So, okay. So, so Pizza Hut's back to the wall here. It's painted into a corner. It's got to get scale. It makes sense. But we just don't think it's going to be enough. I don't think it's going to be able to maintain a slice of the pizza market, Andrew. Before we move, oh, boom, boom. Uh, it's a very crusty joke. It, now, oh. before we before we move on, can you um, top that? Let's <laughs> just end it at this point. Too cheesy, okay? Yeah, 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 very cheesy. All right. Uh, so, so Domino's a listed company, as you mentioned. Yes. It's gone up incredibly. Uh, 
is it worth buying today? The crust has risen. Uh, <laughs> I, look, Domino's is incredibly expensive, I have to say. Yeah. This is, but it's been expensive for, I mean, you could have said that three years ago. You could have said that last yeah. year and you would have still done really well. I, I did say that three years ago. You did. I, I sold my Domino shares at about $13. I just I, wanted to remind you. I doubled it. my money, Andrew. I went from six to 13. I said, oh, you're great. So smart. Yes. I've made a fortune. Now the shares are 60 bucks. Ooh. That's a lot of pizzas. But is it too late? That was then, this is now. Oh, you can always you can always buy some more. <laughs> Here's the problem. You can. That's exactly right. And and we shouldn't anchor to past decisions. I'm 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 probably making the same mistake. Quite frankly, Domino's is, is much bigger, better. It now owns Domino's Japan. It's got a yep. massive operation in Australia. It owns a, a nascent, I think we can say, pizza business in Europe. Mm-hmm. I would never ever ever bet against Domino's and Domino's management. Yep. But I'm not just prepared to buy the shares at the moment. They're trading at such a ritzy multiple that mm. not much needs to go wrong for really things to get bad share price wise. So maybe I'm missing out on more gains and. We'll do this in two years' time, and you'll say, but Domino's $120 a share now, Scott. How'd you go with that? Um, I reckon they're a little bit too expensive to buy in the $60, $70 range. I'd love to own the company again. One of the very best management teams in yeah, the I'm country, not just you. in food, right across the ASX. Yeah. Uh, one of the unsung heroes, Don May, and the management team there. Um, High-quality business, wonderful business. Mm. Unfortunately, just a little bit too rich for my blood. Yeah, I'll price. agree with you there, mate. bit too spicy. <laughs> Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's go from pizzas to air- airlines. How's that for a segue, fans? That's, that's, well, that's a pretty bad one, but here we go. So so we're going to talk Warren Buffett, um, you know, world's there greatest we go. investors. Now you know, I'm interested. He, he's, he's the guy that we have. Um, I've got a big Buffett poster on my wall. That's how much of a nerd I am. Um, and He's and not kidding. He's, I really do. He really does. He's, he's, just an, he's an awesome investor, and he's got all these lovely you know quotes and the rest of it. And you know, one of the things he said for a long time is that buying an airline, it's a death trap. A death trap for investors. He also jokes that he's got a one eight hundred number he can call. So you know, if ever yeah, he's anonymous, if, if ever he's tempted to do it, you know, there's someone he can sort of talk him back from the ledge. But here's the thing: recently, he's not just bought one, two, or three. He's bought four <laughs> airlines. Well, to be well, clear, shares in four. Sh- airlines. Sorry, I should say he's bought <laughs> he's bought some shares in four airlines. Indeed, uh, Delta, American Airlines, United, and Southwest. What the hell? WTF. WTF. You know what? That's pretty much right. This is the... Um, I, I, I still can't get... Well, the first thing we should say is that Buffett himself probably didn't buy these shares. So Warren Buffett's got two investment managers who work for him, who've been working for him now for about half a decade, I yeah, want to say yeah. four or five years. Yeah. Um, the, the sizes of these stakes, massive though they are, um, are smaller than Buffett's normally. Buffett's, Buffett's were the really, really big buys, the billion dollar plus kind of deals. Yep. Um, his two investment managers, Ted and Todd, you've mentioned, Andrew, Ted Weschler and Todd Combs, um, they're the guys who make these sort of, the, the hundreds of million dollars, just the small decisions, right? The ones that only that go to nine or 10 figures. Um, so that, you know, uh, he probably hasn't made the decision himself. That being said- He would have had to sign off on it. Though, no, he doesn't. That's it. No, oh, he doesn't. Okay. He lets oh, them, that's oh, exactly what they want to oh, do. whatever. Okay. But Ted and Todd are also- um, the, you know these guys they're value investors anyway they're in the Buffett mold that's why he chose them mm. so while, while Warren Buffett himself isn't putting the, the big WB stamp on this thing mm. he's pretty much saying look these guys I handpicked I've thought airlines are a, are a good deal and so we should be take, paying attention let them have their head okay. now they haven't said why they bought airlines mm. uh, and it's you know it's, it's a really tough it's a really tough situation to try and work out what they're seeing in these airlines well, can, um, can, can we take a step back? Sure. And before we talk about why they may have done it, why has Buffett in the past <laughs> said why you shouldn't do it? I mean, I know we've we've touched on this before in a, in a past podcast. We did. And we're, we're no great fans of the air. We talked about our, our Qantas. We are on record. On record. And and there's a, there's, it's not it's not for silly reasons, we don't think. They're mm. extraordinarily capital-intensive businesses. 
Um, they're, they're essentially sell, selling a, a commodity, which is an airline seat. You want to go from here to Melbourne. You know, it's not a huge, people will, will talk about differences, but there's not a massive difference between whether you go for Virgin or Qantas. So you have these, you have these capacity issues. You have, you're at the whim of, uh, you know, the cycles in the economy mm -hmm. and also fuel prices and the unions. And it's just super, super, super tough. And more than anything, you're often dealing with very irrational competition who's all mm -hmm. trying to win market share. And by trying to do that, lowering prices and hurting themselves and, and everyone. So that hasn't changed, has it? Let's, let me give you this quote from Warren Buffett to, to exactly kind of cover the thing, very thing you said. Let me, let me quote him. The worst sort of business is one woman that grows rapidly requires significant capital, in other words, more cash, to engender the growth, and then earns little or no money. Think airlines. Have a durable, here a durable competitive advantage has proven elusive ever since the days of the Wright brothers. Indeed, if a far-sighted capitalist had been president at Kitty Hawk, where the first Wright brothers flight took place, he would have done his successes a huge favor by shooting Orville down. <laughs> yeah, That's right. pretty clear, right? Yeah. And Buffett has said, as you've already mentioned, he bought and then sold them and said, oh, thank God I got out without losing too much money. That was a stupid decision. I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Fast forward to 2016, he owns shares in four airlines. Yeah. We can't know. He hasn't said why. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure you and I are still on the, on, on the no side of the, of the equation. Yep. If you were to try and speculate, it goes something like this, that we've said often, and this is, if, if you want to write something down, Phil's as part of this podcast, write this down. You can only be as profitable as your least rational competitor allows you to be. Mm. Think airlines, think oil, think coal, think Anything you've got massive amounts of competition. If your competitor drives the price down, even if they're losing money, mm. you have no choice but to match them or lose business. You kind of don't have. There's no. Yeah, customers option. don't care if you're making heaps of money or not. They just you got want it. the cheapest possible service. Look so. at one dollar bread, one dollar milk. Look at seven dollar chickens in the in the grocery market yeah. alone, right? So if your competitor is selling it cheaper than you are, and you're selling the same thing, an airline seat is an airline seat is an airline seat. Mm. You've got to match them on price. The change, if there is one in the U.S., and this, these are U.S. domestic airlines, yep. we sure mostly domestic airlines, we should say, yep. is they've they've all merged. So there's now four big ones, and they own shares in all four. Mm -hmm. So less competition. There's now less competition. There's much less additional capacity being put on. What yep. normally drives profits down is an airline says, I put, I'm going to put another plane in the sky. I'm mm -hmm. going to try and fill that one up. Yep. And so the competitor does the same thing. The competitor does the same thing. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, there's four planes Excess flying supply. around, 25% full. Yep. They're all losing money. Yep. Yep. So there's less of there's, there's fewer airlines, mm -hmm. and they're all putting on much less capacity. They're all behaving much more rationally. Okay. And so the supposition is that four decent-sized rational airlines all making money right now mm. and selling it really cheap yeah, PEs. Really cheap. We talked about the PE yep. ratio last week. Yep. Those selling it cheap PEs, they're worth a punt. If you're a value investor looking for a cheap deal, mm. airlines at the moment are cheap. And if the future isn't as bad as the past, then maybe there's some money to be made. Mm. Yeah, and you've also seen fuel prices come way down as well, which is a nice thing as, as well for them. And I don't get all of that. I think that makes a bit of sense. The trouble but, is, is that as... As those factors have changed, they're very easily changed again in the future. I don't think there's anything permanent or structural about any of those changes where, you know, a, a far-sighted investor could sort of say in five years' time, they're still super rational, um, you know, that the, the, their costs are still very, very low. Yep. It, it could change, and it could change very, very quickly. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's that's the real challenge is, look, they can sell the, they can sell the shares whenever they want, and they may well do that. But these guys are long-term investors. They're kind of planning to be in this for the long haul. So you've got to assume they've taken some sort of five-year-plus perspective and said, we think airlines are making a lot more money in five years than they are today. Yeah. I think that's an incredibly gutsy call. Neither you nor I, Andrew, are buying Qantas or Virgin shares anytime soon. No, thanks. Um, one of the dangerous things, by the way, in investing is to say, Warren Buffett's wrong because. I know. Almost, I know. Always, whenever you say that, no, you're the one who brave, ends up being it's wrong. It's a brave person that says that, right? Brave slash stupid. <laughs> but, 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 but. No, that's what we're saying. We are going to stay well that's and truly away from airlines. The share prices are higher. Qantas delivered a record profit last year. Yeah. Low fuel prices, high airfare prices. Airfare's already coming down. Oil's already going back up. Mm. I, I, 
Maybe the US market is different. Maybe there's something we don't know. Mm. But I reckon you'd be a bit of a mug to jump into airline shares right now. All right. Value stocks. Market. Stock market. Index. Share market. This is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Well, let's go to the foolish mailbag. And we had a we had a listener write in uh, and he said, can you guys talk a bit about futures and bonds? So we, we, we tend to focus pretty heavily on, on shares here. But there's other things you can invest your money in. So, bond, James. So, no? Different no, bond? no, different bond. Different bond. Bonds, but, the undies. Uh, yeah, no, not, no, not the undies. Okay. No, no, no. It's far more boring than that. <laughs> it is far more boring. I'm glad than we're that. talking about it then. Yes. <laughs> Our listeners will well, be stoked. Tell me what a bond is. A bond. Not the James Bond. All Jet- oh, right, the other one. Okay. Look, a, a bond. Think about a bond. Okay. There's no direct analogy. The easiest one is simply a term deposit. You can deposit your cash with somebody, that's normally a government or a company, for a an agreed rate of interest. So you can buy Australian government bonds, 10-year bonds, for example, that will pay you 2% a year yep. for the next 10 years. And then pay your money back. And then back in 10 years, the you get that money back. It's an IOU. You can buy a, yep. a corporate bond. There aren't many in Australia, to be fair. No. But you can buy a corporate bond, which is the same thing. Basically, you're subscribing to a Woolworths bond, for example, or a National Australia Bank bond if they existed. They mm-hmm. don't, but if they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can basically give a company your money and they'll pay you back interest mm-hmm. and then give you your money back at the end of the term. Yeah, traditionally so seen as very low risk investments, right? Ah, uh, low or lower risk. There's a whole lot. Bonds go everything from government bonds, which are super low risk. Mm-hmm. Like as, as, as low know, US, risk as US you, Treasuries, you Australian yeah. bonds are as low as the risk comes. Yeah. In fact, those bonds are used as the basis for all of their investment calculations. They're so low. Yep. It's considered the risk-free rate for those who've heard that term. Yep. But you can get company bonds from safe companies like, say, a Woolworths yep. or a Telstra. Yep. You can get bonds you... from Venezuela and Nigeria as well. And right? you can get what they call junk, junk bonds, right? Yeah. So that's exactly right. Yeah. You, you can you can companies will issue debt at ten or twelve or fifteen percent. Mm. And if you want to take that bet, you might get ten or fifteen percent back, which sounds good. But the company might go broke, and you might not get your money back. Yeah. So there's no point in fifteen percent, hundred bucks today, yep. and losing the hundred bucks tomorrow. You're only getting fifteen dollars. Which back. happens. It does, and that's why Which they're called happens. junk bonds because yep. it, you know the, the industry likes to call them high yield bonds because it sounds more attractive, right? But <laughs> junk, they're junk, junk bonds. bonds doesn't sound so great, let's let's be let's be really clear and call a, a spade a bloody shovel. Okay. The the so that's what a bond is. Yes. Okay. And, and, and okay. And, and over time, they tend to move in the opposite direction to shares, yep. more or, more or less, and they also tend to be something of an interest rate. If not hedge, at least they, they fluctuate with interest rates. Mm-hmm. And so the higher the interest rate uh, over time, the higher the official cash rate goes up, the RBA's rate, the less those bonds are worth. Over the last 10 years, bonds have been a pretty good place to be, quite frankly, because interest rates have fallen. So if you got 5%, 6%, 7% five years ago in a 10-year mm-hmm. bond, mm-hmm. The, the equivalent right now is you're getting 2% in the bank or 1% in the bank mm-hmm. or that 4 or 5 or 6% from those companies or from those governments. And so if they're paying back, if they're credit worthy, mm-hmm. the value of those bonds is worth far, far more than what you get in a term deposit today. Yep. And the price have shot up, shot through the roof. Mm-hmm. The problem is, as we talked about earlier in the episode, and it's a great question that we had uh, from Joe who, who sent us the email, the, the message on Twitter, is, you know, is now the time for bonds? And the answer is a categorical no in our view because... You're now in a situation where interest are starting to turn. And so those bonds that are worth a lot in a falling rate environment mm. are worth a heap less in a rising rate environment. That's where the prices of those bonds start to get squashed. Can I can I like okay, I get that if I'm if I'm buying a bond and then looking to sell it before it hits maturity. But if I'm buying this thing with the express purpose, it's a it's a five year bond and I'm gonna buy it today and I'm just gonna keep holding it for that five years and I'm just gonna get my money back. I'm not gonna sell this thing, I'm not gonna try and profit on that front. Uh, is that not a reasonable proposition for someone who's just looking to have their capital protected and get a bit of an income stream along the way? Yes, it is reasonable as long as you're getting the price that you want. No one's offering you 5 or 6% now. Mm. 
And so the challenge is you're only going to get someone issuing a bond at the prevailing interest rate plus or minus a couple of well, plus right. a couple of percentage points. Yeah. So yeah. if the official rate's four percent, you might get a six percent bond. That's great. Okay. If you bought it seven eight years ago, you're still doing pretty well. Yeah. But those bonds are worth less if you try and sell them in the market today. And quite frankly, you can get more in shares or other things right now. So they're less attractive as a as a in comparison to other assets that are available and are out there to be invested in. So yeah. they're not the worst thing in the world. But if you're looking for the highest possible return. You don't want to be in bonds. Well, that's the thing. I think it's, it's an unbroken law of finance and economics. There is a trade-off with everything. And the trade-off here is, yes, uh, ostensibly these things are much lower risk, but the price you pay for that much lower risk is a much lower return. And that's the thing to bear in mind. So be aware of that trade-off. Yeah. To, a term deposit, you'll absolutely get your money back and you'll earn 3% a year. Yep. Or you buy shares. The average return is 10%. But every now and again, the shares go down. And every now and again, even more rarely, a company or two will go broke. And yep. so that's why diversification is important. That's why risk management is important. That's why mm -hmm. building a portfolio of quality businesses is important. Mm -hmm. But you can get more return in shares by taking a little bit more risk. As long as you manage that risk properly, there are plenty of people, to your point, Andrew, who will happily sleep at night saying, give me my 2% in term deposits. Give me my 4% in bonds. Yep. I'll take it because at least I know that's as bad as it's going to get yep. as long as the company stays solvent, as long as the country stays solvent. Okay, Scott. So we said we we're going to talk about futures, we did. but we're out of time there, yeah. unfortunately. We will talk about futures in the future. Um, uh, and and I look forward to that. Me too. So, but that does wrap it up. Uh, thanks for your time today, Scott. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you for listening, Pools. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Triple M's Motley Fool Money through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app. And of course, at triplem.com.au forward slash podcast. And while you're doing that, please give us a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate it. That's it. Until next time, Fool on. Fool on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.